Welcome to the Eagle Eye Podcast. The number one show to bring you all things Club America in English. From tactical analysis to player updates. We've got you covered on all the latest news on Las Aguilas. Now, let's start the show. This is the Eagle Eye Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Eagle Eye Podcast. Today is a very special one as two worlds are colliding, two very close worlds because of one player. But we'll get to that later on in the episode. And I'm just excited to talk all things Club America in English. And so hopefully you guys are excited as well. Today, joining me are two very special guests. Uh, first off, the WAN needs no introduction if you are familiar with America Twitter on, in English. Mm. It is none other than the man himself, Ricardo. Ricardo, you're basically the Jersey guy for America. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. That's just kind of that, what it is. That's right. Uh, big soccer collector again. Thank you for, for the invite. Uh, really glad to be here. Dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, like you said, I, I'm a big soccer collector and obviously big uh, Club America fan. Uh, because of where I where I grew up in Chicago, I'm also a Chicago Fire fan. So this is this game is is couldn't be set in the best day. It's also my birthday tomorrow, so you know I whoever wins, I, I win anyway. <laughs> you just you just win win, and I think that's why it's only fair as you dubbed it on Twitter. We're calling it the Ricardo Clasico. It just right. it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it, it's it's the nuance going forward. It's what it's going to be called. And uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Glad to have you on. Um, you know, where uh, I, I know me and you have had some conversations on Twitter. You, my friend, were the sole reason why I got an America jersey last season when it was so tough to get them. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, man. You are absolutely the best. And uh, look, let me introduce our second guest now. He is uh, going to be talking all expertise in regards to Chicago Fire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pod, Mr. Alex Campo from the CHGO Fire podcast. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Yvonne. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. It's been a, been a fun week learning a lot about, um, you know, a couple specific Liga Anakis teams first uh, Puebla a few days ago. And now, obviously, this being a bit of a, a higher profile one, you know, the ticket prices certainly indicating the, uh, the interest in this game here in Chicago tomorrow night. So, yeah, it should be fun. Obviously, we'll get into the Kuatemic Blanco connection later. There's there's a lot of fun storylines to this game in addition to the fact that I'm not quite sure what we think of these two teams as they as they enter this matchup. The, the last week's been a bit confusing for how good they actually may be. So no, this should, this should be fun. I think it's, to your point, this is a fun occasion of, of worlds colliding, and I'm happy to help provide some of the, uh, some of the local perspective from the Chicago side of it. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned it yourself, right? It's it's going to be an interesting one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it going to be a sellout? I'm assuming it's a sellout, right? So, yes, they're playing this game again at SeaGeek Stadium, which used to be the Fire's full-time home in Bridgeview, Illinois, about 10 miles outside of downtown. Uh, that's for a couple of reasons. One, they've, um, with playing at Soldier Field, the Fire kind of have negotiated a set number of events per year, and so they have to be a little careful about that. Uh, the other thing is it's Lollapalooza this weekend, big music festival in downtown Chicago. And so logistically playing at Soldier Field, even if they wanted to, might have been very difficult. So, yes, as far as I know, this is expected to be a sellout. 
and it's expected to be heavily in favor uh, of Club America uh, out at SeatGeek Stadium, which I think seats these days about 17,500. And so, right. you know, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine we'll see America fans there in excess of 10,000 fans. Well, it's unfortunate that they're not going to be in Soldier Field. I've actually gone down there to cover an America game whenever they played against Chivas. So it was maybe like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful stadium, beautiful city. I've, I always tell everyone, um, if there's a place you want to go, uh, I always say go to Chicago first. You know, it's I absolutely fell in love with the city. And if I could, trust me, I would be there right now. Um, but all right, gentlemen, let's get into it. Uh, Ricardo, let's talk a little bit about America first. Uh, obviously, big news breaking the past couple of days, the fact that Diego Valdez is not going to be featuring in this one. Uh, hearing it, taking your perspective, it's again the third consecutive game he's going to be missing now. You as a fan, thinking about you know what he could have helped out in, in regards to last game coming into this one. How do you feel knowing that he's not going to be present? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's definitely if, uh, one of the most important, if not the most important player in our squad. Um, I think not having him, uh, it's definitely affects our, our game. Uh, but I think we do have really good alternatives coming off the bench. I mean, Leo Suarez has been such a good, uh, substitute for him while he's been away. Um, I think, uh, the combination with him and, and Sendejas, uh, on, on the left side. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of having Layun on the right side, but, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, no, we, we it, it's, it's what we have right now. But uh, you know, specifically about Valdez, and you know, there's been speculation that you know he's not playing because uh, there's there's uh, rumors about him leaving uh, today. I think they came out. Ibran Araje from Tuden is saying no, he's not leaving with the coach. Uh, so it's it's all up in the air. But um, but I think it does. I think having him on the on the pitch definitely makes our game better. Um, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. We'll see right there. And just a quick question because Chris is throwing it out there. Sendejas or Los Suarez in the camp spot? Who do you pick? Uh, today, uh, today, Leo Suarez. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Sendejas. He's probably my my favorite player on the squad right now. But but today, I. Leo Suarez, no doubt, he's been having a great campaign. Uh, and it's just about moments. And right now, it's Leo's moment. No, what do you guys I think agree. of Zendejas? I, you know, I, I've, obviously, I'm coming from a, Mer- a very American slant here. And he's gotten an interesting amount of opportunity recently with the U.S. men's national team. And fair to say, he hasn't impressed um, American fans very much. But from a Club America perspective, What's kind of the general vibe and the view of, of who he is as a player in terms of what he's been able to do since arriving in America? You know, I think he's definitely exceeded expectations. I think we all expected him to maybe start a little bit slow, but he just right off the bat just, you know, started going. And uh, he's, he's a key part of this America attack, uh, has been for the past couple of tournaments. So uh, he's vital. He's instrumental. I mean, the fact that we're talking about him and Leo Suarez goes to show that Leo Suarez has stepped up this game. So. Sendejas now has to step it up even more because he did miss a couple of games due to the, that gold cup. And it's going to be interesting, but I think right now he's a key player. And if I think you talk to most Americanistas, they will say that, yeah, he's probably top three in the squad. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think, uh, unfortunately the, the, 
personally speaking, uh, since I'm a little bit versed also in the MLS world, um, I think a lot of the the bad rap he gets is is from uh, you know you compare you compare him with players in that same position in the national team. You got you know probably Pulisic. You got uh, I don't know who else. Uh, you know that type of caliber that are playing in Europe right now. So they expect him to come in and and you know re, re, Gio Reyna. Uh, so when you don't have those players and, and you expect uh, Alex to come in, you know not necessarily play full games and kind of expect him to to have you know a, an immediate uh, solution. I think that's part of where that's mm-hmm. coming from, in my opinion. But like like Ivan said, I think um, Sanejas is a key player for for our squad uh, and has been for the last few tournaments. Yeah, hopefully he gets to play in this game tomorrow night because I think, you know, that'd be a good, especially not only from a fire perspective, but for American fans in general watching this game, I think seeing seeing more of Zendejas in an America contact, I think, I think to your point, to see him in, in a situation where maybe he's a bit more comfortable, I think that would be, I think that'd be valuable for everybody to, to, to see him in that role. For oh sure. yeah, definitely. I, I think we, I think we both agree in that sense. And I, but the fact that Diego Valdez is out, you have to push, you know, little sort of that can't spot it. That's no doubt that Sanejas has to start. I mean, we have to go full out attack. And he's, like I said, vital to making things happen for us on the pitch. Now, Alex, talk to me a little bit about your Chicago Fire coming into this one. I mean, uh, you guys have at least so far been undefeated in League's Cup play, at least in open play, right? You guys lost the penalties, but so what? You guys still ended yeah. up kind of, retaining that winless uh that win streak um and i mean you guys have been doing pretty all right in the mls season i mean you t- t- eighth place right now you guys are in a playoff spot so uh, is life good over in chicago right now it's certainly better than it's been i mean they've they've <laughs> you know they've now only lost once in their last eight games still five games unbeaten they've certainly been playing a lot better Recently, uh, a lot of that has coincided with Jordan Shakiri looking like the player they hoped he would be when they signed him last year. Um, it's hard to say because that game against Puebla, uh, Frank Klopas pre-rotated that squad a bit. There's three or four guys in that eleven who certainly will were never intended to, you know, stay there if the firework did indeed advance. Klopas talked a bit today about how he thinks there's going to have to be some changes because of the close proximity of the games, but. I wouldn't take too much from that. I think, again, he was largely pre-rotating. And a lot of what you saw from the fire was a team who knew they just needed a draw to guarantee going through. And they certainly played in that manner. Puebla threatening a couple of times, but largely that was not a particularly interesting game. Uh, I I think the bigger thing to note right now about what might be a struggle is Kai Kamara is unlikely to be a part of the squad again tomorrow. He did not play versus Puebla, was not on the bench did not train again today. So it's not anticipated that he's going to be ready to go. And while he is certainly not a 90 minute player at this stage in his career, he has proven to be a really valuable asset for the fire, either as a holdup player or as a guy who can come in late off the bench and, and really, really make an impact. But overall, the team has certainly been playing better recently. Um, Shakiri, as I mentioned, Ryan Gutierrez is probably the player who's looked the flashiest recently but no they've just been playing pretty consistent slightly above average soccer uh and and yeah i think right now based on the slow start they had to the year in the recent good form eighth place eighth place feels about right so 
the league's cup, I don't think they've had all that much expectation for. Obviously, a win over America would be huge. Like that would be a be a pretty big deal. But I I don't think they're probably viewing this game as any sort of make or break on on their season. Interesting. You mentioned about expectations. Talk to me a little bit more about as far as far as from a fan perspective, what is the expectation for this team going into League's Cup? And then what do you think the the club itself has expected from themselves in, in this competition? I think the biggest thing, and this it kind of replaces what the US Open Cup was serving as earlier in the year, which was going decently far in a cup competition despite not playing well in league play. Um obviously the the league form has has improved. So I think the pressure on doing well in this competition is lessened because just with the fires inability to make the postseason in recent years, even though s- simply making the playoffs isn't saying much currently in MLS when more than half the teams get in, um, you know, I think that would be a big box to check. So I think the idea of being a playoff team does take some pressure off of this. As far as the club is concerned, um, everything, you know, you only, you have to just take people at their word and and everything the players have said, everything that coaches have said has indicated that they want to take this as seriously as possible. I'm anticipating about as strong an 11 as the fire can muster to be out there tomorrow night, especially given that, you know, the team who loses this match gets what three weeks off after this. So there's the, the, you know, fatigue even though both teams only played a few days ago, I don't think is really that big of a, really that big of a factor. So yeah, I, I, I think, you know, for the fire right now, they're taking this season one game at a time. It's kind of understood that there's going to be a lot of changes in leadership positions once the season ends and probably a lot of roster change as well. So I think every, everybody within the club, especially on, on the soccer side is, is taking this one game at a time, this whole season that's serving them well lately. And and they'd be thrilled to get another win or two in League's Cup. But if they don't, they'll refocus back to the regular season and try to keep that winning streak in MLS play going. All right. I like it. We're interested to see what happens then on Friday. Ricardo, talking about expectations, obviously we know America has already, it's already been said, if America does not win this competition, it's looked like as a failure, right? It's whatever we play in, even if it's Canicas, we have to come out on top and we have to win. So there's a lot of added pressure onto this game, more so because of the way we lost against Columbus Crew. So what are you expecting to see out there on Friday in order to kind of, you know, give you that belief again that we had against him after the St. Louis game that, yes, this competition can be ours? Yeah, I think... um... I think, like you said, the expectation obviously is to make it all the way. Uh, I think the expectation for America is always, no matter what tournament it is, is, is you want to make it as far as you can and get the get the silver, the the um, the, the cup. But um, I think uh, in regards of tomorrow, I think we can expect uh, a team that's going to go out and and kind of. Uh, Prove that they're not the team from from a few days ago in Columbus. I was surprised uh, at how uh, how they lost. <laughs> I, yeah. I know that I, at the same time, I do think that that the uh, Jardine, the coach, did experiment with things that uh, maybe he hadn't tried before, knowing that we were already in the next phase. Um, but but I do expect that a club America that's gonna come out and it's gonna want to try to, uh, you know, uh, score 
more than a few goals. Uh, I think that the mentality that they have right now, um, the players that we have right now, and especially the way we looked against St. Louis, I think that's the, the Club America we're going to see tomorrow, the, the one against St. Louis. Um, uh, and I wouldn't expect less. I, I think that Columbus was a good wake-up call. I would have, as an America fan, I would have uh, uh, I would have hated to see the Club America from Columbus tomorrow. You know, the one that, and it happens to us probably season after season. You know, we we have a good run in the in the regular tournament, and then comes Vigilla, Cuarto, semifinal, and then you know we lose. Uh, yeah, not fighting. You know, and and I think that's yeah. gonna. I think. Last game was a good wake up call, and I think we're gonna have a good, a good, a good Club America going into tomorrow. Let's hope so. I mean, you mentioned Hardinier, right? And then he spoke uh, again, saying that he understood that there were some mistakes that made in 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 that game against Columbus, but he he wanted to make those rotations to kind of see a couple of players that he wasn't able to kind of see. You remember he didn't get much of a preseason whatsoever. He kind of came in last minute. Um, so he wanted to try a couple of things out, but he said, starting tomorrow, it's, you know, guns a blazing. So it's going to be an interesting one to see in regards to that aspect. Well, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about this game, right? The Ricardo Clasico on Friday, right? Uh, it's going to be at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 uh, Eastern, 7 Central. So you guys can catch this game on Apple TV. If you guys have the MLS season pass, if not, then uh, you guys can catch it over on, uh, I believe, Unimas. So for those of you watching it on Spanish, well, we'll see. Apple TV might might let them have it, or they might do what they did against Columbus and say, "Hey, you know what? No, that game's strictly just ours." So we'll see if uh, Televisa is able to broadcast this one. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting one. Alex, talk to me about the Chicago Fire and that uh, that starting eleven that you potentially could see starting. You know. So I think again, as I mentioned, there was some pre-rotation in that Puebla match. So I think you'll see Chris Brady stay in goal, the young first-choice goalkeeper. I think he'll still be there. And I think you'll see both Rafael Chijos, the club captain, and Miguel Navarro, the Venezuelan international left back. I think you'll see both of them return to the 11, and I assume Mauricio Pineda and Arno Suque will stay as the right half of the, the back four. The real question is going to be in the defensive midfield pivot of the Fire's 4-2-3-1. We saw Usman Dumbia, a new signing from the Fire's sister club, uh, Lugano in Switzerland. He's an Ivorian player who made his first start as a pretty pure out-and-out number six defensive midfielder in that game against Puebla, and I thought looked pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets another run out. The other options in there are Gaston Jimenez, uh, the Argentine-slash-Paraguayan midfielder who good passing range has been better this season but doesn't have much defensive bite to him we've also seen Fabian Herbers played in that position so I'm curious to see what combination of players are in that pivot I think Dumbia will be there given the attacking threat uh, America poses even though he just started his first match for the club the other day I don't think Frank Klopas will really have a choice but to run Dumbia out again in front of them, I, I expect to see the trio of Jordan Shakiri, Brian Gutierrez, and Marin Hale Selassie. Uh, for those who aren't, who aren't familiar, you'll see Shakiri nominally as a 10, but him and Gutierrez will rotate a lot with Guti starting on the left 
and often finding himself in central positions. Whereas Haile Selassie is a pretty traditional winger on the right side. He'll hug the sideline, you know, looking to get in behind, looking to get crosses in. And then the other question is up top. As I mentioned, Kai Kamara, not likely to be available. Uh, Yorios Kutsius, a 19-year-old Greek striker, has seemingly been, well, at least I think the club are trying to help him get more minutes and establish himself as the current starter. He hasn't been as impressive in his last couple of outings. So the other option there is Casper uh, Shabilko, um, who certainly is less athletic than Kutsius, <laughs> is going to do less out of possession. But if the fire are thinking this is going to be a game where they don't have much of the ball, uh, Shabilko is probably a better holdup player. He's a better target for crosses and long balls. So I wouldn't be surprised either way at the striker position, but I think which striker is picked will say a lot about how the fire intend to play. the game. Well, it's going to be interesting to say the least, to see what, what lineup you guys have, right? Because I'm expecting, you know, us to go full on out and for you guys to find a way to maybe emulate a little bit of what Columbus did and try to kind of close out those spaces and be as defensively organized as possible. Ricardo, AP Jr. says if both Layun and Araujo start at the same time and Jardines starts making pointless subs, we're losing again. Just saying, still hashtag what our bathrooms. I think it's fair <laughs> to say that uh, all Americanistas are at least just done with both Miguel Layun and Araujo, right? So, and I think Jardines knows this at this point. I don't think he's going to experiment with either of these players anymore. It's safe to say that we're most likely going to see a repeat of the starting 11 against Columbus. Um, not Columbus, excuse me. St. Louis. Against St. Louis, yes. So that means we're going to have, obviously, Malagón in goal. The back four is going to be Kevin Alvarez, who's been sensational so far. I still yes. will say he's the player to watch out for in this game. He's been... I mean, he's have uh, he's has as many goals as games, right? I think he only didn't Correct. score in the first one. Yeah, he just didn't score against Juarez, right. but he's been scoring just left, right, and center right. everywhere. So, Kevin Al uh, Alvarez on the right, and then on the left, I still see Chava Reyes. Um, I know some people don't like him. Uh, yeah. I think he's been doing okay. <laughs> um, and then the center-back partnership, of course, Israel Reyes and then Cáceres. In the midfield, it's going to be interesting. We saw kind of a diamond formation against uh, St. Louis. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Santos was in that center-defensive mid role. I expect him to come back and, and, and fill that role. And then you had an Alvaro Fidalgo and a Richard Sanchez just above him with Leo Suarez in the cam spot. Do you kind of keep that same rhythm or do you kind of opt out for maybe putting in Sendejas for somebody else? Um, or, or do you just kind of keep that midfield? Um, I, I think for me personally, I think uh, you have a powerhouse up. Uh, I think you, you stick with, uh, with Quinones and, and Henry, you and, and, and Leo. I think that's a good trio to have. I think if, if you start adding Sendejas in the mix, you kind of, Sendejas does have a lot of uh, sacrifice. He does run back a lot, but I think just to start off, just to kind of secure things in, in, in the first half, um, uh, make sure that, you know, especially we don't get, uh, we don't get scored on. I think you go, you go, Dos Santos, uh, Fidalgo, and 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 Richard Sanchez. Richard. I think if you if if we need if we're in the need to to definitely score, I think that's when you start throwing, Sendejas. Uh, uh, personally, I'm I know people don't like him very much. I I I, I like Brian Rodriguez. Um, you know the last <laughs> the last few minutes, 
<laughs> but but uh, you know, and, and he did it against St. Louis. I think at some point we were playing with five attacking players, um, and and we were up, you know, two three zero. Uh, you know, I think I think my strategy, if I was Jardine, which I'm not, it would be the same. You know, go with your starting eleven. You know that that worked, um, and and it's also good for competition. You know, the moment that somebody starts uh, slacking, you know, you know, you got Sendejas uh, coming right back. No, yeah, of course. Chris saying uh, Ivan and Ricardo are the only Brian Rodriguez fans uh, in the fan base. I didn't even but, realize that that's true. where Brian Rodriguez ended up after he kind of bounced yeah. around post LAFC. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, we got him from from LAFC directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that entire experiment did not exactly work out. He went to where Almeria in Spain. Is that where he ended no, up. From? He went. No, that's uh, that was uh, that was the guy from New York. From New York City, it was uh, in Italy. The the Fiorentina, I think he he went somewhere somewhere in Italy. Didn't work, and then came back. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been odd with LAFC's wingers in recent years because uh, Diego Rossi just signed for Columbus Crew after uh, being Fabrinacci. Yeah, being in Turkey, so he's coming back. Yeah, it's been it's been odd. They've had a bit of a rotating cast, and they still uh, seem to seem to play well. So there's another name that certainly MLS fans will be familiar with, but. Right. Safe to say he hasn't exactly impressed. No, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, he's he's had his shining moments, but I think everyone's just kind of... His his talent on the ball isn't questioned. It's his kind of finishing in the final third that a lot of people have been frustrated with. So that's kind which of the situation. I think, it was the, I think he, he had the same issue with LAFC. I think it was the his finishing. I think he, he was able to get... Uh, the ball to where he needed to, but he just couldn't finish. And I think that's the issue he's had here as well. Yeah. So, well, that's kind of the case. And then I think, Ricardo, we're, we're both in agreement, right? You said Eleo Suarez and then Quinones and Henry up top. Yeah. That's kind of the most strongest 11 that you can possibly put out there. And it'll be interesting to see how they cope with the pressure. Because um, obviously there's a lot making sure that you don't get eliminated and then you have to wait two, three weeks to kind of get back into rhythm. Right. Uh, so America can't afford to, to lose all that time and fall behind to the rest of its competitions, right? You expect your Monterrey and your Tigres to get through their opponents. So you have to keep going pretty far into the competition. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Alex, talk to me a little bit about the tactics that we might see on, on Friday. How will Chicago plant themselves, tactically speaking, to try to maybe hold off America? Yeah, I think my, my thought is that we're likely to see the fire seed possession to America and really try to close down those spaces, close down spaces between the lines in, in the defensive end, and then look to break the most likely way, whoever the striker is, whether it's Kutsias or Shabilko. The, the the strategy is always can you get the ball into the feet of Shakiri and or Gutierrez in space, and then you know, try to basically create sort of set piece moments from open play. Um, I think the fire will certainly be looking to try to take advantage of set pieces as much as they can in this matchup, but no, I, I think you'll see the fire sit back a lot out of possession. They'll largely be in a four, four, two with Shakiri joining the striker kind of in that front line. Um, and, and whether it's Gutsias who will press a bit and will run a bit at opposing defenses when they have the ball or Shabilko who, who won't do that at all, uh, will kind of dictate exactly what kind of game we get here, I think. But no, I, I think I'd, I'd imagine the fire aren't going to aren't, aren't going to be overly aggressive. I think there will be times where Holly Selassie 
looks almost like a wing back um, out of possession on that right side. And Suke, the right back, won't get forward much at all. Um, again, and until until somebody scores, if anyone scores, I think that's kind of what the fire will do. I think, again, they'll try to really compress the spaces in their own defensive third and then look to look to get on on the counter and just kind of frustrate America. And again, you know, allow them to allow them to have the ball. But I think the, the key is we saw St. Louis fail to do is if you're going to play that strategy, you have to be able to actually close off those spaces because you can mess up once and then you get that beautifully worked goal that ends with Henry Martin uh, scoring the opener against St. Louis. And so, you know, as much as I think a lot of fire fans would love to see them hard in the pun, but fight, fight fire with fire here and say, Hey, let's go for this. Let's try to get on the board. Let's try to score some goals. I, I think we're going to pretty quickly see this turn into a game where America is going to have most of the ball. And then the question will be, are, are they able to break down whatever defensive wall the fire are trying to set up? That's, that's an interesting approach. Definitely. I mean, it's kind of similar to what St. Louis want to do, but I think you mentioned it perfectly. You have to understand how to play that game, right? They left a lot of space and I think uh, we obviously capitalized it. Ricardo, I think it's kind of music to our ears because we, we kind of struggle whenever a team tries to play the same game that we do. Um, so I think on that aspect, you know, knowing that America is going to have the ball, you have kind of more of that comfort that these players are capable of trying to find a way through, right? It's not going to be easy if they do organize themselves defensively, but if America comes out with that tactic of, okay, we're going to have the ball, we're going to try to, you know, play around, play those one-two passes, right? Try to look like that 2002 Brazil side. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you pick in that starting 11 to be kind of the spark to really make things happen for America? The one player that you think, okay, if he's on it, then for sure we got this. I, I think we have, fortunately, I think we have two. I think, uh, like I said, right now is is Leo Suarez's moment. I think he, he's, it's his moment. He came back from Santos just playing so well. Um, and, and he's continuing from last season into this season, um, you know, scoring, assisting. If he's on, I, I think him with... Um, Along with Quinones, I mean, Quinones has also been a, a new, it's a new player for us, but he looks like he's been playing next to Henry. He looks like um, uh, he's been looking, uh, he's been looking well again with, uh, with Leo Suarez as well. I mean, that trio um, just has been, has been very good. I think if those two come in click and, and, and are able to, to, to assist uh, Henry, I, I think, you know, even, even, them to, uh, you know, I think I think we have a a, a good uh, two players that as long as they're in the game, I don't see how they don't capitalize. Uh, especially Quinones, like I said, he scored in I think in every game he's been on since since he arrived. So uh, I wouldn't expect the I would expect the same on this game. And uh, Yvonne, to your point, actually, while Ricardo was talking there, I, I looked up the Major League Soccer team possession numbers for this season, and I can understand why it's music to your ears, maybe, if the fire won't want the ball. And maybe that'll result in me being very wrong, and the fire will try to play, because in MLS this season, the team with the highest possession at 56.9% on average are the Columbus Crew. Uh, so they, they have the ball more than any other team in the league. The team that has the least amount of the ball 
is St. Louis, and they are a bit adrift. They're at forty three point five percent, a full more than a full percentage point less than the team in second to last. The fire on the season are fifth bottom in terms of how much they have the ball. So they are more in that vein, but America has seen the two extremes of major league soccer in terms of a team that often does not want the ball in St. Louis and a team that absolutely wants the ball in, in Columbus. So given that context, I think that makes it even more interesting to see what the fire decided to do. It, it's certainly more in their nature in a game like this to be defensive, but maybe that's an indication that it's worth trying to actually go out and play some soccer. given that maybe, you know, you're just kind of conceding to losing if you try to keep America out for 90 or 120 minutes. You know, well, look at that very interesting stat right there. Thank you, Alex, in regards to that. So it paints to be a good game, uh, hopefully for America. We'll see if Chicago Fire can maybe, you know, pull a rabbit out of their hat and maybe nick one before we do. That's going to definitely put us into more pressure like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how both teams kind of, you know, both teams kind of fill each other out. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming America is going to try to get on the board as quickly as possible and try to, you know, progress the way they did against St. Louis and maybe erase the ghost of Columbus past. And uh, hopefully, as far as an America perspective goes, it goes as planned. Obviously, we still have a lot of things to work out, Ricardo. Obviously, we're still early in our season. I didn't even say it himself. Yeah. You know, we're, we're at the point where we need to figure st- a couple of stuff out. But once we can get it going and get it rolling, then I think we're going to see a much, much more improved America side. But uh, all right, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about predictions here. I want to know what you guys think is going to happen here. And I always love hearing whether or not any of us get close to what actually happens on the field. Um, Ricardo, I'll go with you first. What is your prediction for tomorrow's game? Uh, knowing that uh, Kay Kamara is not uh, probably not going to play. He didn't play last game. Probably he's not going to play this game. Um, I'm going to go with a 3-0. Um, uh, I would like it to be closer. I wouldn't want the fire to, to get uh, killed like that, but, but I think we're going to go on a 3-0. Uh, I, I just... Uh, and I'm sorry for everybody who I know in the in the CF97 hashtag, uh, but I just don't see, you know, I, I love uh, Gutierrez. I love uh, uh, Mauricio Pineda. Uh, those, you know, I think those are two very unre- un- underrated players in the league. Um, I think, uh, you know, the star of the of the fire has been Gutierrez, but, you know, I think you, ha- you continue to have a, a better, but still underperforming Shakiri. Uh, I just don't see them getting past our our our, our midfield. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, I've been wrong before. <laughs> but I think that I think uh, America is gonna take it away. All right, okay, I like it. Three zero for Ricardo. Alex, what is your prediction come tomorrow? I'm saying it's gonna be one nil for America. I think this is gonna be an ugly, ugly soccer game. I think we are gonna see the fire, as I said, be very defensive. And I think that's going to work for a while. Um, I, if this game plays out the way I think it does, I think we see 45 minutes of extremely forgettable soccer. And then we see America really force the issue early second half. Eventually they break through and get a goal. And then America are able to flip that script of, well, now it's on the fire to do something. And then I think America will be able to see out the game. So 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they added a second or to Ricardo's point, a third, if the fire are really, really pushing late. Um, but no, I, I think we're going to see a pretty cagey game for a while, but eventually America will break through and, you know, they're going to be the team ultimately that, that goes through here. Even if the fire execute their game plan pretty well, to your guys' point, I think eventually America's advantage in attacking talent ends up winning the day. Well, then there you guys have it. Alex with a 1-0 for America. That's even more music to my ears if I'm being honest right here. Um, as far as my prediction goes, I think I'm going to go with a 2-1. A I, I think that America still lacks kind of that cohesiveness at the back. I can see Chicago nicking one. Um, maybe we're up by two goals. Maybe, you know, you guys level it. Something happens, but I think you guys get a goal in. But I think we have enough firepower to at least score two goals and kind of give us that cushion. and punch our ticket into the next round, which, you know, is exactly what all Americanistas expect out of, uh, out of Las Aguilas on tomorrow's match day. So we'll see who's right. We'll see if any of us are even right to, to begin with, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we have a uh, Jose Ramirez saying, uh, three to one to America saying Henry and two times and Quinones, uh, once. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Chris saying two zero, Leo Suarez and Kevin Alvarez because of course Kevin Alvarez just loves scoring goals. Uh, we have uh, AP Junior with the most you know radical result out there. America four, Chicago Fire one. I mean, I think we'd all love to see that, right? A lot of goals, but let's uh, let's just slow down, let's get things done, and then we'll see if we can progress from that aspect. Uh, Alex, I, I didn't get to ask you this, but just quick, real quickly, I mean, to, uh, give me a player that Chicago Fire is going to heavily have to rely on to try to get this game going for them. So, obviously, Ricardo praised um, Gutierrez there, and I think he's he's always going to be a big part of, of what's going on there, for sure. But, but I think, really, this is, you know, we, we talk about how Shakiri has improved, but isn't really his elite self. This is the kind of game that if you're the Fire and you're going to get through, you need Shakiri to play up to that $8 million plus dollar salary. Like this, this is the sort of game that you hope he rises to the occasion. And this is one where he's giving 110%. He's working back on defense. He's providing something in the press out of possession. And again, he can create those magical moments. He is, he is certainly in the conversation for the best, one of the best passers in MLS. He's certainly in the conversation for, the the best set piece takers in the league and so i think ultimately as while there are plenty of cogs in the fire machine who are important there the fire do not get through this match into the next round if shakiri does not play at his best and so i think ultimately because if if you get a subpar shakiri game uh history to this point has shown that's that's hard for the fire to overcome if he's just not really at it. So uh, yeah, I think, I think you'll need to see Shakiri in one of his best performances in a fire shirt. If they're going to advance. And, and he's been scoring uh, of the 18 bucks lately. Uh, I think he's got like two, three of them in the last few games. Yeah. That, um, that free kick routine in their last MLS game, I'm going to say that was against second last Montreal. I think mm-hmm. a couple weeks back was certainly something off the training ground and he just rifled it into the top corner. No, he is, again, his confidence has grown. It, it's been this hard-to-explain thing. He started the season very poorly, and then after Ezra Hendrickson was fired as coach, 
and Frank Popas took over again as the interim. Shakiri has, you know, kind of blossomed as this season has gone on. So it's hard to point to exactly what changed and what happened, but I don't think Fire fans are really asking any questions. They're just glad to finally be seeing on a fairly consistent basis the player they hoped they were getting when Shakiri signed last year. All right. Well, there you guys have it. Designated player Shakiri. Will he show up or will he not? Well, Gentlemen, talking about designated players, it, it's obvious when America plays against Chicago Fire, the one selling and the one talking point has to be the biggest club legend that we've had, Ricardo, in the past, what, I want to say a decade or more? Yeah, it is since the 90s. Other, yeah, I think he's... Yeah, yeah, just been amazing. It is none other than Cuauhtémoc Blanco himself, right? The, the actual GOAT. I will, you know, die on that hill myself. <laughs> and say that um i mean alex talk to me about Guatemo blanco talk to me about you know what he resonates for chicago fire and and you know his status in the club like you know what what is it about him it's really interesting because blanco's legend in chicago and the role he plays in kind of the the lore of the club is significantly larger than when you look at the stats and you see, okay, 16 goals in 62 games. That's, that's not a bad return for an attacking midfielder. That's, that's a nice impact three seasons, but he, I, I think the reason he resonates so much is, well, I think there's a couple. Um, one, obviously, obviously there's a massive, um, you know, Mexican American population in Chicago. And, you know, it's really crazy that, Basically, in the 10 years after Blanco, 15 years after Blanco left the team, the fire barely fielded any Mexican players. I believe Jairo Torres was the first Mexican on the roster in 11 years when the fire signed him last year, which is just insanity to me. So I think a big part of it was how famous Blanco already was for so many soccer fans in Chicago and for the Mexican-American community in particular you know, to, you know, called him the goat like that. That guy walked into this town as a hero already. Um, you know, he didn't need an introduction. And so I think he just represented something for the club. Also a bit of a rebirth. You know, this is a team that after being founded in 1996, had a very, very successful first few years of existence, uh, both in MLS and in the U.S. Open Cup. And then they kind of hit a pretty prolonged downturn and Blanco in a way signaled the beginning of this somewhat, you know, revitalization of the club. This is the era then where you get somebody like um, Brian McBride ends up coming when he returns to the U S he's followed by Mike McGee who puts together that MVP MLS season. So I think that was the other thing is Blanco both connected so much with so many people here in Chicago but for just soccer fans in general and fans of the fire, he once again gave people a reason to, to go to games, to enjoy the club, to feel a part of something. And again, I mean, we haven't seen a player like him since, both in terms of his prestige locally, but also in just in, in terms of the gravity of, you know, that you could feel anytime he was on the pitch. And so, you know, again, it, it feels funny to look up the stats again and see that, you know, it feels like even if he only scored 16 goals, it feels like he scored a hundred goals for this team because <laughs> of the memory he holds here. I know we were talking about this beforehand, but shout out to normal fire 
stadium DJ, DJ Step. Shout out mm-hmm. to Ben for partnering with uh, Talisman Caps up in St. Paul, Minnesota a few years ago on these hats. For those of you watching live or on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I think he sold out of them in about 24 hours. And it's just, it's, it was just one of those moments where, now Blanco will always mean so much to the fire, you know, even though he didn't bring them a championship or anything like that, but there's just, he is this, he's a, he's a folk hero at this point around here. And I know his status for America and America fans is orders of magnitude larger th- than what it is here. And this is a cool moment to your point, Devon, to celebrate uh, Blanco because of his, his connection to these two clubs. And obviously, you know, I, I as much as fire fans, adore him I, you know obviously it's a very different relationship for all of you and your relationship to him as america that no yeah of course i mean he is just when you hear stories of you know whenever trial fire went over to preseason and you know the amount of people that just went and almost fainted because of him they, i, I remember know, he, um a quick anecdote uh, mm-hmm. when they first signed him i remember I went to the to the presentation and, and it was like a like a thing where they signed him and it was like the next day or or it was like within hours. It was like, okay, he's gonna be at the stadium, it's gonna be free entry. I remember, I don't remember how how I got there. It was me and my brother, and and we, I mean, I must have been what was that, uh 2007? Seven. Seven? Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember it. somehow we made it to the to the stadium and they were like you know, 10,000, 12,000 people. I remember the one side of the stadium was, was packed. And, and, you know, he was only there for 24 hours for the presentation because he had to get back to, to Mexico because uh, he was still in, in, league, uh, in league. So it, it was one of those moments that, uh, you know, it was the same year that David Beckham uh, was going to be here. Um, and, and, and that first uh, all-star game, you know, he was the player of the, you know, even with Beckham there, he was the, 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 the most valuable player at the all-star game, you know? So you got those stories, uh, like you said, I think when Blanco came, they had that run at like, um, uh, you know, uh, conference finals, I think twice in a row. And then I think they missed the, the last one, uh, but personally, I remember as a Club America fan, <laughs> I remember his staying here. Like you said, it's probably his numbers don't speak uh, uh, for the, the type of player that he was on, on the field. Uh, I, I think he, he really brought that, uh, you know, people to the stadium, kind of like Shakiri did at first. I remember there were so many. Uh, but, you know, that kind of faded. And I think the Blanco uh, presence never faded while he was in Chicago. Right. And you know, I think it's to what I was saying. It's also in hindsight, it's such a missed opportunity because there should have been a follow up. It's like, OK, look what Blanco did for this, did for this club, did for the mm-hmm. fans. Can we follow that up with something? Obviously, Blanco is a bit of a unique one of a kind character. So that's hard to replicate one for one. But my earlier point, they're just again, there wasn't, again, a player who brought anywhere near that kind of attention to the club until Schweinsteiger was signed. And even then, there there wasn't a thousands upon thousands person, you know, unveiling at the stadium. I mean, it was right. a big deal. It was talked about quite a bit. Um, but, you know, it, the Fire have never since had another arrival that brought with it that kind of hope, that kind of excitement. And again, I 
think everybody here hopes one day that again there there is another you know that they can do something like that again and and again find a player who embodies the spirit of the club comes to define the club and also is able to forge that relationship with the fans um i think it's something the club has sorely missed over the last 10 plus years and you can see it on the club america side too i think uh you know ever since blanco left you always have those uh you know players like uh, Cabañas, uh, uh, like Chucho Benitez that were there after Cuauhtémoc, probably the two most prominent um, players after him. But even then, he, he always overshadowed them. I think he's overshadowed most players, if not all players, you know, since, since the 90s, I would say. Uh, since he came back from Necaxa in 98, something like that. I, I don't know if there's been a, such an important player for the club since. Definitely. No, yeah. And then he is massive on, on, on every level, whether it's Mexico, I mean, the national team, whether it's America, whether it's Chicago Fire, he just, he is the imprint of like what you call a legend, right? This mm-hmm. is, he's the definition of that. So I will say this much, you know, I just recently wrote an article stating that, you know, I think that he was ultimately, uh, if not equal, but better to Beckham. Right, but Beckham brought was more of the celebrity, more of the Hollywood aspect. I would dare to say that Cuauhtémoc Blanco in his three years uh, did way more than Beckham ever did in his first three years as well. So I think he just had a little bit more of a sense, you know. And if it wasn't for Beckham, I think Cuauhtémoc Blanco would have shifted things a little bit differently. So I think he, uh, he definitely has, you know, uh, a status in the MLS just as much as he has a status in the MX. So I mean, he is the goat. He is that, and. Uh, <laughs> what more can I say? But uh, we could be here all day. We could be talking, but I'm not going to run you guys' time anymore. Thank you so much to Alex and thank you so much to Ricardo for joining us. Guys, this promises to be a fun and exciting game. I hope you guys are excited. Ricardo, happy early birthday, my friend. And I hope you enjoy the Ricardo Clasico as well, man. Definitely. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the invite, Ivan, Alex. Very nice to meet you. Uh, and I'm sure we just followed each other on social media, so so we'll be in touch for sure. Yeah, nice to meet you, Ricardo, as well. Yvonne, thanks for setting this up. Should be a fun game. I'm on, I'm going to actually have to watch it on a replay because I'll be at a friend's wedding tomorrow night. So um, maybe depending on the scoreline, we'll we'll see how uh, how quickly I'm running <laughs> to to watch this game back. No, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Alex. And again, um, you know, shout out to to what you're doing over there and to you know. Uh, your colleagues as well, who, you know, I'm sure do a wonderful job over there in Chicago. So thank you so much. And uh, again, to all of you guys who watched and, and, and tuned in, thank you again. And as always, um, you know, take care. Y arriba la America. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, this was another production of the Eagle Eye Podcast. The number one source for all things Club America in English. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Eagle Eye Podcast and get all the latest news and coverage. And subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you may listen.